Welcome to the Habits and Hustle podcast, a podcast that uncovers the rituals, unspoken habits, and mindsets of extraordinary people. A podcast powered by Habit Nest. Now here's your host, Jennifer Cohen. First of all, I want to say thank you very much for being on the podcast. I'm sure, you know, you've been doing a ton of media for your book and you know, getting asked the same questions over and over again can be kind of monotonous. So I do appreciate you humoring me and, you know, my audience. My, my, One more time. I, 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 to be honest, I am enjoying it. Um, you know, I go off and I sell movies I'm in. I solicit them and share them. But this one's the truest extension of me. So I'm like, I don't have to prepare for it. I wrote the damn thing. I don't have to prepare for our talk. I'm like, I, I, I wrote it. I lived it so I can talk about it. And actually, um, over the six, seven weeks of, of going around sharing it, to hear how it's translating originally to different people and specifically feels awesome. I mean, it feels great when it, when it does, when, when people do share something specific about it translated. And... Um, I don't know. So I'm having I'm having a good time. I'm also crystallizing some ideas. You know, you talk about something that you work on, right. your ideas begin to evolve and you crystallize them and you say, oh, it kind of starts to lend to maybe what's next. And you kind of make sort of con- social context with yourself and others by the what how you answer something and, and or what you say. And afterwards, I'll write something down and go, yeah, OK, that's that's another way to put that. Remember that. Keep that in your pocket or. Hey, uh, you know, I mean, check me out later. I just let you know that. So if I get out of line later, you in life can go, hey. I remember what you said to me in, the, in that podcast, you know. Absolutely. It's, it's good practice, basically, for, I guess, like your next 10 years. I remember your speech a long time. Well, your speech that went viral, right? About changing every 10 years, right? Like you you kind of, you chase your future self. Like, did you know 10 years ago that you're going to be writing a book now? And that was kind of what your path was going to be as a storyteller or? I didn't. No, I I. I I didn't. Um, you know, my look when I look at look at things that I've places in my life in the ones where I've succeeded, it's been a mix of writing the headline first, projecting it out there in front of me at the goalpost, and then mm-hmm. trying to live the story toward it. Or it's been an equal mix um, of jumping in and going, I'll I'll figure it out along the way. You know what I mean? I, 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 there is no headline, but I'm going this direction. You know, let me pick out this general direction. And I so the book in the back of my mind probably was something I didn't have a plan. Hey, in 10 years, you'll write a book. But the book was something that shoot, even I found in my diaries in 1992. I said, you're going to I want to write a book. I never thought about writing a book again. Right. It already got me moving in that direction of, hey, you might have something that's worth sharing between a hardback cover one day. Um, so. It was a general direction that I probably I was consider I considered you know decades ago, but I had no sort of <clears throat> demarcation of oh when you turn fifty that'll be the time to do it. No, I can't believe you're fifty. You still look like you're like twenty five. Fifty one. <laughs> I, I can't believe your face looks like it's still twenty five years old. You do oh. not. Do you not? You're like Benjamin Button. You're like aging in the wrong way. Well, you know, yeah, I, I tell you a funny story. Um, and I, in the book, I tell the story about when I was losing my hair in the late 90s. Yeah. And so this is all, it is my real hair. But I used to have a, a, a silver dollar baldness here. And I didn't have any of this. And I started using this topical product, rubbing it, and damn if my hair didn't come back. Well, I um, 
I was using a, a Propecia to, to help retain hair growth. And I go to this, uh, this hair doctor to go get that. And this guy actually does hair implants. And he goes, yeah, always wanted to meet you, Matthew McConaughey. I said, why? He goes, well, every year we go to this international convention of hair transplanters, the greatest hair transplanters around the world. And we always bring your picture up on screen and go, and the, the moderator goes, and who did Matthew McConaughey's hair transplant? Yeah. And every year, no one raises their hand. I go, well, of course they don't raise their hand because I've never had hair transplants. And he goes, yeah, but last year, one of my, uh, the, the, this guy who does hair transplants in like Sweden, somewhere, we brought your picture up again at the International Convention. And he goes, who did Matthew McConaughey's hair And he goes, this was me? <laughs> and he goes, so I've always wanted to meet you because now I got to check. I go, look. And he goes, you don't have any hair transplants. He goes, I'm busting this guy's balls in the next year. And then we raise it. And he goes, you didn't do that. Because he goes, this guy's gotten a lot of work since he raised his hand and said he did your hair. So no, but <laughs> you know, what's so funny. Okay. I have to tell you a funny story. Okay. Cause there's a bunch, I live in LA, like where I know you don't live here anymore. And all these guys, okay, are, you know, walk around and say, oh, I'm going to Matthew McConaughey's hair transplant doctor. There's a bunch <laughs> of these doctors in Beverly Hills who are like touting themselves also uh, as your doctor. Well, so I, I assumed that you had hair transplants. I do, you I, don't? I don't. No, this is all mine. <laughs> it's always been mine. Somehow I brought it back and the product I used didn't really work as well for other people that use it, but damn, it worked on mine. And I still use it today because I'm not quitting to see if, if, it, if, if I don't need to do yeah. it anymore. I'm like, no. Talk about a habit. I'm My habit, I still daily topically rub this stuff in my hair because I'm not going to quit and see if I don't need to anymore. No way. That is so crazy because like for years now, that's what I just assumed that that was what you did to kind yeah. of keep your hair looking so, you know, youthful and young and full. I wow. look, I would, I trust me, I considered it, but I never had to do it. Never did it. Didn't have to. My gosh, you're <laughs> lucky. I mean, you know, what's true. Like I kind of feel like even reading your book, that's like another, like you kind of have like, I, and I don't know. And I'm not saying like your life is just all luck. Cause I don't believe in luck like at all as only one thing, but you have had a lot of good opportunity, good luck, or you've made yourself good luck. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there's, for sure. there's a combination, right. Of your work ethic conviction. But I feel like even like as a young guy, you kind of always have like a kind of a strong conviction of who you were and kind of like a self-awareness about you that went really well with having an opportunity and making into something. I think so. And you're right. Look, I, you know, we can look back at our life now and everything from two seconds ago back to the day we were born, we can do the math, we can add it up. All those things were with at the time we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this opportunity fell on my lap. If we did something with it, it all makes sense. It's a science now in the rearview mirror. If we didn't do something with it, it's kind of, it's no longer a part of our lineage of our story because we did something else that got us here. But right. I, you know, we look in the rearview mirror, it's all science. I think that, look, have I been at the right place at the right time? Sure. Have I, am I opportunistic? Have I looked for, put myself in position to look for possible opportunities and then saw a gap and gone, bam, I'm going to, I'm going to try it. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. And, and, and at the same time, I, let me say that this is a way to put it. I have a, in the book, at the end of the book, I added this list of goals, 10 goals. I, yeah. I wrote in 19, 
1992. This is it. I have a little yellow page here because I wanted to ask you about that. And I found those when I was writing the book. And I looked at them and I was like, you pulled these off or are in the midst of pulling them off now. All of them. I never looked at that list again after I wrote it. I forgot I wrote it. But obviously, I didn't forget I wrote it. You know what I mean? I, I remember when I moved, I was at I was on the top bunk in my fraternity house at University of Texas one night at about 1030 before I was going to bed. And I wrote that down. And it was like three weeks after my first acting experience. Days confused. And my father had just passed away. So yeah. two very seminal things. I just started what ended up becoming a career, my 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 passion for my vocation. And I just lost, you know, the most important person in my life, most important, my father. So I was, uh, you know, one thing was being birthed and one thing had just moved on. And that's going to be a very grounding effect when you lose something that obviously led me and helped me become or challenged myself to become the man I want to be. But also starting something that at that time, I didn't know, maybe that was a one-off hobby, acting. Maybe that was that summer of 92, all it was going to do. But then subconsciously, though, obviously, I was like, no, this is it for me. This is what I want to do. But I didn't say it to anybody. I said it to my diary. I said it to my journal. I said it to myself. But I couldn't even dream about it. That was too conscious. I couldn't tell a friend. I couldn't tell a parent. I couldn't tell my best friend that I wanted to maybe go really be an actor. It was not because I was afraid of popping the magic bubble that when you say something, actually it takes away the magic, but because yeah. I'm like, oh, don't say it out loud. You can't, that's not going to happen. That's like too avant-garde. That's too, right. you know, that's, that's too much of a woohoo. That's a weekend. That's a Saturday thing, not a real life, you know? So right. obviously in somewhere in me, that is what I wanted to do. Obviously all the things that I wrote down there, were a good list because I didn't intellectually make them up. They're obviously in my lineage and in my heart and spirit more than I thought because I never looked at the list again. And I look up 20, 30 something years later, and I go like, geez, you've done these, but you never looked at the list again. It's amazing. I was going to, that's, I had like a, a yellow sticky note because I couldn't believe when I read your book that your 10, your, the, your goals in life at 50, you've actually accomplished all of them. Now, the one I didn't really understand was, I think, number five, which was the, um, what was it? To be an egotistical utilitarian or something like that. Yes. Love that one. I still love that one. Let me unpack that for you. Because I'm, okay. I've evolved what, uh, uh, I've redefined that into um, really what is my biggest ambition right now, as far as a theory for, for, for living and choice making, which is, we in life make a contradiction out of the selfish choice and the selfless choice. We make a contradiction out of, well, what's best for me and what's best for the most amount of people. We make a contradiction out of responsibility and freedom. And there's many contradictions we make, but I believe that the play, there's a place where they're not contradictions, where they're a paradox, where they're actually the best decision, best choice for me could be the best, deci best decision choice for we. The best decision for you could be the best choice for the most amount of people. The most selfish choice is actually the most selfless choice. The most selfless choice is actually the most selfish choice. The most responsible choice is the one that gives you the most freedom. The, the most real freedom 
is when you're responsible is for being responsible for it. So mm -hmm. the egotistical utilitarian is the, that was where the I meets the we. I want to be the one where uh, the best, the selfish choice for me is actually what's best for the most amount of people. And I would, I'd written papers about it. And that was back in 92. I'd written a paper in 91 about a character. John Wayne Goes West, I think was the title of it, about a character that went to Hollywood and was able to maintain his faith amongst the science, his faith amongst fame. It's why I did Contact, the movie. I wanted to play yeah. a person of faith in the world of science because I've always believed those two weren't contradictions. That science is the practical pursuit of God and that the two can coexist. So I've always been working on these sort of paradoxes, believing that two things don't necessarily contradict. And that's why I called it the egotistical utilitarian. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Because I was like reading that. I was like, I have to ask him just because curiosity. It was like, it didn't really, it didn't really uh, gel for me. So I thought yeah. I had to ask that question. Well, my definition. Yeah. I, and I'm absolutely unpack that. I, I really think that's still the place an evolved move. And if you, if, 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 I, if we look back at the most evolved people, I think that's what they do. Yeah. Well, even certain prophets, that's where, that's where they were. That's what, that's the frequency they were on. And I would argue this, and, and I'm on a, my pastor says I'm pushing a big rock uphill and trying to, 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 to redefine selfishness, but I'm a big yeah. fan of being selfish. And what I mean by this is I got asked earlier today, um, you know, uh, um, your father, you have a daughter, you feel, what can you do to, to cre help create a world where your daughter for gender equality has more opportunity later, uh, mm. later in life? I'm like, yeah. I said, well, everyone, no one does anything unless it's personal. But I do think everything's personal. And so if I'm in a position of power, I want to protect my power. All right. Sure. And I want to, you know, hopefully remain in some, some extent of power. But what's more selfish choice to hold on to that? at the exclusion of opening up more equal opportunity for say my daughter in the future or, 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 or women today, or even we can talk about this with race as well. What's more selfish choice to open up more opportunity for my daughter in the future or to hoard my power and her not to have oppor his opportunity later. What's actually more selfish yeah. for me to make some either sacrifice or to make a choice that's going to open up place for more equal opportunity for her. She's my daughter. What's the more selfish choice for me to lie, cheat, and steal from you now? So when I go in the future, I got to look over my shoulder to hope you're not in the room because I'm I got to run from you if I see you. <laughs> I, exactly. It's more selfish to not lie, cheat, and steal from you. So when I see you, I don't have to run. I don't have to look for the exit. I don't have to look over my shoulder when I find out you're in the room because I burned our bridge or picked your pocket. Because it's much more selfish for me. I'm buying more freedom in my future by... By, by not doing that, by not doing the lie, cheat, and steal you. I'm having right. stress in my future. I'm moving forward without having a bunch of red lights behind me and fires that I got to put out. I'm not purchasing my time stealing from my freedom in the future. I would say it's more selfish not to lie, cheat, and steal from you. If you have a sense of delayed gratification, which I think we all need to work on that a little bit more and understand, have a little bit longer view. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that. I think, especially in today's time, I think everything is about instant gratification, especially with, you know, social media and what everything is about the now. And what I really, uh, really liked about in your book, when you talked about the power of no and how you went with almost two years without 
uh, a job really in like the business because you were really kind of strong and convicted on not doing a romantic comedy anymore and rebranding yourself. And you took that and, and the, your delayed gratification really worked out for you. Yeah. Can we talk? About, I really want to talk yeah. about that because, you know, I think it's very hard for people to really understand that because they, if they, how do people turn, forget about turning down what, $14 million for a movie? Yeah. I mean, most people can't even turn down like $14 yeah. because yeah. they get anxious, right? Yeah. And look, on a, forgetting the dollar amounts, Fourteen million, fourteen dollars, fourteen cents. Forgetting the economy of the of, of of a socioeconomic situation, what we can do at any level, what we have more opportunities to do, and maybe a way to phrase it where more people can understand it, contextualize it personally for their own life, is that you know which account again. <laughs> It's a bit of the egotistical utilitarian. We want to, we yeah. need to fill our bank account. We don't want to be in the debit in our bank account. Well, we need to fill our soul's account. We don't want to be in a debit in our soul's account either. There's two accounts that are not mutually exclusive that don't need to be a contradiction. So, or fear. It's fear too. Sure. It, 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 it's, it's fear. It's the, un, it's, it's the unknown. It's the, I mean, limbo. Huh, mm -hmm. That sucks. Give me an uh, give me a no or a yes. At least then I'll know and I can deal with the no. But the I don't know maybe time is like what the hell? We're all in limbo now in COVID. It's what exactly right. We're sprinting to the extremes because we we need purpose and identity. <laughs> give me something to hang on to. And now we're looking up, going like I kind of got buyers or more. So I thought I really was going to like hanging out with people <laughs> over here. Totally, totally. But there is fear to go. I'm going to be in limbo. You know, that choice that I made when I took off for what ended up being about two years, it was a one-way ticket into I'm not working in Hollywood. I didn't have a return ticket. I did not know. So, mind you, I wrote about the book. I had things to keep my... The reason I made it is because the work I was doing was not feeding my soul. I felt like right. I... And I and, and I had no I had no crisis of confidence thinking that, oh, I can do the work I want to do. But I was savvy enough to be aware that. But I completely understand the powers that be that make the movies I want to do, do not want me. I, I haven't they I have no demand to be in that category doing dramas. There's no demand by the general public or financiers and studios in Hollywood. Well, I really want to do that. Well. Uh, all right, I'm going to stop doing what I was doing, even though I can't do what it is I want to do. Well, that's my one-way ticket out. And trust me, I had over that two years times where I was like, I think I've pretty much been forgotten in Hollywood. I better start thinking about another career. <laughs> I better think about another job. Maybe I didn't go back to trying to be a lawyer or maybe a wildlife expedition tour guide or an orchestral conductor. Or I don't know. Now, mind you, I had things that kept me grounded at that time. A newborn son, Whew. my wife, Camilla, mm -hmm. and I write about it in the book. She's like, you're going to get wobbly because I'm a big accomplisher. I like, I need mm -hmm. to accomplish for my own significance. And I'm out there waking up and every day is a Saturday. And we know what happens when every day is a Saturday. A hundred percent. It's like rinse and repeat, like, like Groundhog's Day every day. And and that's not, you know, too many Saturdays can make a tyrant of any of us. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. You know, I, was, I agree. Over there in that old uh, that drink you they usually have at six starts to look better at five, <laughs> better at four, then looks better at three, and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> exactly. You're like drinking at 10 a.m. Exactly. So I had those things to sort of keep my 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 compass down, but I was never like even if after 20 months the the, the work that did come to me, even if that hadn't come to me. I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to go back. I knew it was very similar to years, very similar to the year in Australia story. There's something yeah. at a hunch, subconsciously that look with every, and I started to actually gain power with it, like confidence and almost honor of each day that I was, I was abstaining again. <laughs> that I was like going, yeah, yeah, I'm, you're going deep, McConaughey. There's, and, and it started to feel like there was more value in the endurance of the abstinence and the endurance of the saying no, of the endurance of the limbo, of the one-way ticket that I'm not going back. And started to gain, sort of get an identity in that, that the longer this goes, the more valuable it will be, almost. Is that kind of like when you did um, the Dallas Buyers Club and you lost all that weight? Like the more weight you lost, the more you know, skinny you got, it was like kind of like I can keep on going. You had that same kind of conviction or um, okayness with abstinence. Like, how was that? I, I, that's similar, similar, but that was much easier because easier. Ooh. Yeah, it was easier because that was not a one way ticket. I mean, that was not a one way ticket, but that was still like having the this, the mindset of um, I'm going to be okay. I can do this. Like, you always yeah. had the confidence to kind of set your mind to something and then stick to it, and then actually like make a plan and then work the plan. Well, the, the thing with like that losing that weight in Dallas probably, that when I, in the, in, the, in the way that I'm saying it wasn't a one-way ticket and the way that it did have a return ticket, the return ticket was, that's what I needed to do my job. That was my responsibility to the character I was playing. If I did not do that, then I would have been irresponsible to my character. You would have opened up the, 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 the movie and Ron Woodruff, who has <laughs> stage four HIV, looks like me. And you're going, oh, bullshit. I ain't buying it. I'm out of the movie. So that means I didn't do my job. I'm embarrassed. Embarrassment. I don't like the feeling of. I didn't do a good job. I'm not going to get. So it had a, it, it had a, an, uh, it had residuals in the choice. Yes. One based on just responsibility to my man, the character of Ron Woodruff. And but the, the, the deal I did get start to get honor in the endurance of it. Like it, I did, it took five months to lose the weight. Now, as you probably know, what's the hardest part? The, 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 the magic's in the initial decision. Click. Mm -hmm. What's the hardest part about working out? Putting our shoes on and getting out the door. Exactly. It's kind of, kind of easy. You just kind of go do it. Um, so once I clicked, it was like, this is what I'm doing. Now, mind you, the, the version that there was a only one-way ticket is the movie wasn't real. We didn't have the money to get the movie made. I saw that. All that weight while that while I'm going, we're making it in October, and my agent behind closed doors is going, "We don't. You don't have the money for that movie. You keep saying you're making that movie. There's not a there, no. There's nobody's finance. There's not a movie. I'm like, yes, there is. He's like, and you're losing this weight. And then, but then I also started to recognize the asset of the fact that I was losing weight while people were saying the movie's not real, but they keep saying they're doing it. And started suddenly started people started going like, but look at you. You're down to 160 now. You've lost 30 pounds. Maybe it is real. It was exactly it the illusion of like, well, maybe they are doing it. I mean, McConaughey, look at him. He's losing the weight. He's it's getting down. 
are they doing that movie in the fall? I mean, they got to be. Look at it. <laughs> on paper, no, they're not. But it seems they are. And, and myself, the director, the producers, nobody flinched. We just bold faced said, we're doing it. And then we should we see the money and we're like, we'll be there on set that day. You know, we just didn't flinch. And somebody said, well, I guess they are doing it. Let's finance that thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was going to say, what would happen if no one did? Like someone at the last minute gave you $4.9 million, but. I mean, it was very close. Like you were actually going to be, it was going to be October or whatever in the fall and you already lost the weight. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You have like, there's like a stroke or streak of luckiness in there as well, but there's also another quality. I think it's just like when you believe it so hard, you actually end up achieving it. And it's like, it's a mindset. For sure. And and look, and I come, I did recently did my whole family lineage in the ancestry.com and, uh, I guess I was not surprised to find out there was no royalty, but there was a whole lot of riverboat. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, I mean, part of it was, look, I'll say this. And this leads back to an earlier tool that I talk about in the book about when faced with the inevitable, get relative. I just, sometimes we can, it's about doing a trick in our mind and going, no, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And knowing also compartmentalizing, going, I know this really might not happen between you and me. And you're only talking to yourself. <laughs> but you know what? If it doesn't, I can, let's find out. At least we're going to know. It's like, taking, it's like taking up that wrestling match in Africa. When Michelle, that wrestler said, you, me, in the pit, my heart rate started going. And I'm sitting there going, no way. And as I'm saying, Way in this year, I'm hearing if you don't, you'll regret never knowing what happened. And I'm getting up, and all of a sudden, I'm standing up in front of him. And I didn't consciously tell myself to get up, it just happened because this year overtook this year. And the little angel overran the devil. The devil was saying, Hey, uh, stay down, don't do it. The angel was going, Find out, find out, or you'll regret it. Yes, so I got up and point to him and walk to the pit and go have incredible wrestling match that ends up being. A lineage of a part of my life and a story that wasn't only a wrestling match. It was a great moral of a story where I learned it wasn't even about who won and lost the match. It was about when I accepted the challenges when I became a, a big man in that in that tribe. And that the person that I that I wrestled, that I handled, walked me silently 15 miles holding my hand the next day to the to the next village. And then I returned five years later, and the same guy walked me the same 15 miles. That be beautiful because all because when he challenged me to a match, I heard this year go, don't you dare. And this year go, are you kidding me? Find out and got up. If I wouldn't have got up, none of those stories that would have happened. None of those beautiful stories that I, that I learned and was able to live through and witness would have happened. I, I mean, yeah, I, I remember that. I was like, I, when I was reading that part, I was like, oh my, I was scared for you, right? Because you were, you, I guess you could say you were a boxer. So the guy thought you were an, a fighter. The guy was a wrestler. Right. But like, I feel like your life though, you've had so many amazing, um, interesting experiences. Like things that I, I mean, I didn't, I don't know you from a hole in the ground, right? But when I read, when I was reading your book, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I thought, it, yeah, it'd be entertaining, but I didn't realize how much, wisdom there were in life experiences and that you were you were you kind of there's there's a lot of truisms i feel in the book like 
you know, basically going uphill and in your book, all the themes, like what you've taken and what you've kind of like, um, you basically like took that experience and you, you, you basically were able to, to, to bring it down to like the, a, a place or a philosophy that I think is very relatable for people, even if you're not that, you. That, I mean, that, thank you. I'm glad that's, I'm, I hope it translates, you know, like that. And I love deconstructing an experience, a time, a story from a summary down to what's its initial, a truism, an aphorism, a bumper sticker. A bumper sticker. People go, oh, well, that's a platitude. Well, I don't know, whatever. It, here's what, here's, and it's what I mean by just keep living. Hey, there's no G on the end of, live, of, of living because life's a verb. Well, I, that's intentional. You can unpack that. There's a, you can write a story about what that means. What do you mean there's no G on the end of living? Just keep living because life's a verb. Well, you can, un you can write a book on life being a verb and not a noun. <laughs> Or, or an adjective yeah. or an adverb. There's a book there to unpack. So I love deciphering something down to a one line because what I love about a truism is it doesn't tell you what to do. Nobody likes to be told what to do. I don't like to be told right. what to do. You don't like to be told what to do. But if I can pack it and then summarize it in a one line that you go, well, it kind of sounds lyrical too. And geez, maybe I like the way McConaughey says it on his Audible book. Sounds kind of music. I, Sounds fun. These kind of like the broccoli that, that tastes good and is good for you. <laughs> and I can make it, each person can go, I can make it my own. He's not saying I've got to have the, I'm not giving you an outcome. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm saying, here's a story I lived through and here's how I saw it. And, every, and, and I'm finding that people are going, oh, I got to read that story. And it reminded me of this time in my life. And maybe I looked at it similar way you did. Maybe I looked at it different and it worked or it didn't work. Or maybe next time in that situation, I'm going to try and look at it how you looked at it. It's, but it, it, it gives ownership. And I, I was hope my, it was my hope in writing the book is that it's a way that it can be subjectively taken by any reader. And you have ownership of it. I could unpack the, the phrase, just keep living. I said, just keep living yeah. for all of us everywhere. But none of mine are going to be the same as yours. And none of yours are going to be the same as mine. You have different contexts. You have different things going on in your life than I do. So it, all those variables go into that decision. But you can still base going, I'm going to make the just keep living decision. And if you look at it, there's going to be, you're going to, those, the best just keep living decisions, so to speak, is going to all, yours and mine are going to fall in the same category of going, yep, that was, the, I'm going to look at yours and go, yep, that was one. You're going to look at mine and go, yep, those are one. They weren't mine. Yours weren't mine. Mine weren't yours. But it, a truism gives an ownership. The person reading it can go, ah, how can I apply that specifically, subjectively to my life? This isn't McConaughey telling me what to do. It's not telling me if then you better do this. No, that's boring. Yet maybe we all want to be part. We all want to be the author in our own adventure. And if we can have yes. little things that we can measure guideposts, that we can kind of go, ah, yeah, mm, did I look at it that way? Ah, did I look at it that way? Then we're still the pilot, each of us individually. Well, yeah, also you could have actually named the book Just Keep Living. Don't you have a company called Just Keep Living too? I put Just Keep Living on everything. But <laughs> 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 it doesn't fit. I mean, it's been on everything. That's what I'm saying. You know? it's, a great, it's a great slogan. It's a great bumper sticker. And I think people can really, res everyone can resonate with it. it re it's very relatable. So why didn't you call the book Just Keep Living? Why did you call it Green Lights? 
Um, well, Green Knights is a sort of even a deconstruction of, of, of just keep living. Plus I love the, uh, the, 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 the metaphor and the analogy, the, 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 the symbol of traffic lights and life mm-hmm. in this highway that we're on, whether it's a river or a road, these are highways and they're veins that cut through. And we all have our own singular path that we're on. And we hit red lights, we hit yellow lights, and we hit green lights. And we love the green lights because we just proceed, easy street, summertime, no shoes, here we go. We don't like the yellow and the reds. They make us slow down or they make us stop. Dang it. Why'd you get in my way? Why'd you interrupt me? Why'd you intervene? Why do we have to sit down and talk about this thing again? Can't we just keep rolling? Oh, wow, I got to think about this. Damn it, I don't like it when I got to think about it. I like when I can just do it. Well, those are actually lead to the evolution of the green lights. There's value in those. That's how we evolve in the yellow and red lights. That's where we take that time to have some introspection. My, my, my mom, one of our greatest traits is resilience. My mom is a, you step in the pothole, fall down, you get up, dust yourself off, go. Great, 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 great. I, I, I wish more people had more of it. I wish I had more of it. What I did learn about that though, and I brought this up to her about 10 years ago, I was like, mom, and it was in a conversation we were having about the golden rule, doing to others, you would have them doing to you. I was like, there's a loophole, mom, in the golden rule. She goes, what? I go, the golden rule says doing to others, you would have them doing to you. I said, but not everybody wants to do what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, this is thing, this thing you taught us that like every day, I don't care if it's 10 degrees below zero and it's raining and sleeting. Uh, it's summertime and it better be summertime in your mind. You go forward. You don't, don't take a forced winter. Don't do introspection. Just get up and dust yourself off when you set the pothole. I said, the problem with that mom is that I find myself being a repeat offender. I keep (laughs) bottle. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I said, I think sometimes we need to stop and go, well, wait a minute. Instead of dusting myself off and moving on real quickly, staying in this race, running in circles, I'm going to stop and look back at that damn pot over a second and go, why do I keep stepping in that? What is it? What, once I measure that, the next time around, maybe I got behind in the race, maybe that yellow light or that red light of me pausing, let other people pass me in the race. But now, the next time I get to the pothole, I'm sidestepping it or jumping over it or t- finding another path around the side. So now my journey has evolved. Because I slowed down to have a look at what I, where I'd stepped in the proverbial pothole or proverbial stepped in shit. Um, right. And so, and I, and I, you know, that's that's the value of, that's what I mean when I say a yellow and red in the rearview mirror. Life actually turns green. Um, and we need those things. We, we have a lesson to learn in those things. Um, and so that's where I was able to, you know, that's a subset under just keep living. Green lights would be a subset, a way to define what I mean by just keep living book could be called just keep living. It's signed out. Just keep living on the back. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, that was a little more of a, of a way that I think just keep living is large. We could, we could, I mean, everybody can go, okay, but what's that about? Green lights would be more of a subset, a branch off the trunk of just keep living and say, well, here's a certain approach that maybe is more tangible a more tangible way to understand how to just keep living. For each of us. I get that. Yeah. I, I also love you. I, I wanted to ask you about your mom. I'm glad you brought her up because she seems like such a character. I mean, yeah. I, 
and your relationship with her and your family. I mean, it's funny, you can go either way, right? Like a lot of people could be go to therapy because of what happened with the first, I think one of the scenes or the, one of the first fights that your parents had with when, in the book. I mean, honestly, I, I would be like in like in trauma or for the rest of my life, but you have a way of taking it and there's such love and compassion and humanity into in your relationship um, with your family. And I feel like, can you explain how your relationship with your family or, or your um, the way you grew up kind of helped you become who like kind of create your character? Look, my mom and dad lived hard. They loved hard. The hands that hurt were the hands that healed. Divorced twice, married three times. I love it. Can't live with you, can't live without you. And as soon as they get remarried, they were automatically, weren't talking about why they got divorced. They were autom They so quickly were going, God damn, I love a new honeymoon. <laughs> we have never been a family and that's part of that resilience. My mom and dad were repeat offenders. Yes. <laughs> and I just gotta applaud them. You know, I mean, we didn't what you know, and it's true, what 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 tickles and I have to watch this, especially in position I'm in where my a lot of my words come out in bold print and I can say things to some people that it may come across like I'm talking through a megaphone, even if I'm not. And I have to, and I have to realize contextually that you know, what tickles my family bruises a lot of other people. You know, where we're giggling, other people are crying. We're going, what? And we don't mean it. We 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 we're not being malicious. We're just like, come on, no, 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 get over there. <laughs> Our family, all of us, we. Someone comes in in, our, in a high horse in our family. Our family will, if one of our family members comes in on a high horse uh, or, or gets out of line, our family immediately, bam, grounds them. I mean, takes you down until you're crying, uncle going, I'm sorry, I quit. I didn't mean that. I get it. And as soon as you do that, they pick you up so hard and full that your feet come off the ground and you land and there they are handing you your, your favorite drink and they're giving you a hug and they're crying with you going, there we go. Love you. Never quit loving you. Damn, I didn't, you know, I was raised on that. Dad, I, I love you. I just don't like you right now. So we had times of dislike. My mom and dad's two divorces were not liking each other. They never quit loving each other. Those fights that I would see them in. The love was never in question. Even in my four-year-old eyes, the love was never in question. And they, you almost, they would blow through yellow lights. And that's another sort of, I think, in unpacking how I, you know, I've been asked, well, how did you see that and not come away having to be in therapy? Yeah. I'm like, well, look, in a lot of times, and this is subjective to everybody, but for me, uh, we come across a, a yellow light, which arguably is really kind of where the green light lives because you got to mm -hmm. slow down and stop or to press the gas and blow through it. My family was very big on seeing a real light, yellow light and pressing the damn gas and going, I'm blowing through it. The value of that is there's a lot of crises that we just don't get credit. There's a lot right. of things that we do it all today. We, we, we create false drama for ourselves. 
and we go to it and all of a sudden we're wallowing in it. And when we're wallowing in it and dwelling on it, we find ourselves in a red light and we're hunkered down and hurt because we created a mountain out of a molehill or gave too much credit to a crisis that, damn it, that's just part of life. Roll, roll with it. Turn the damn page, man. That's like a, that's not defining us. And so a lot of times I think we need to blow through, put the pedal to the metal and blow through some of those yellow lights. Not, you know, and, and not always, as I said earlier, you got to stop and look at the pothole. You got to stop sometimes and go, wait, why do I keep stepping in that? Why am I a repeat offender? You don't blow through all the yellow lights because some of the yellow lights are meaning they're there to slow you down to make you go. Yeah, I do need to stop at a red light here. I need to rearrange to evolve. But I think we get stuck many times by slowing down for yellow lights that we shouldn't give credit. And all of a sudden we devolve. We don't evolve because we're wallowing in our red light, our yellow lights. We're slowing down some of the yellow lights. We're ending up wallowing in a bunch of red lights in life that we're going like, in the big picture, that was really not a big deal. Sometimes we, sometimes blowing through a yellow light is about forgiveness. Sometimes that's forgiving somebody or ourselves. That's a version of pressing the, putting the pedal to the metal and blowing through a yellow light. It's moving on. It's turning the page. It's having some empathy for ourselves or, or handling a situation or saying no and not working for two years, creating a yellow light or a red light for ourselves to go, wait a minute. My soul feels like it's going in the debit section. <laughs> I don't yeah, like yes. to get it in the credit section. And I can't go get my credit, but I can stop doing what's putting it in the debit. So <laughs> I'll, I'm going to take an impasse here and sit neutral for a little while. Um, you know, so there's different, there's different ways to, to, to do it. And, and, Look, I'll say this. A lot of times pressing the gas hitting upon the yellow light is sense of humor. Yes. I've been at a situation instead of taking it personally and going, okay, what they, you know, um, and, and moving on. You don't, and actually, and I don't in any way mean deny crises. That is not what I mean. We, and sense of humor is often mistaken as something that denies the crisis. When actually, in reality, I think sense of humor unties the knot of the crisis. Let two people communicate or unties the knot between the contradiction. And then you see, oh, OK, I see the paradox now. OK, actually, this wasn't as big of a deal or we're going to handle it better. We can talk it out better if we can both laugh and have a conversation without the condemnation. And it's a real good tool. It's an underused tool, underutilized tool that I think we as individuals in society today especially could use more of. And again, it doesn't deny the crisis. It can actually help you deal with the crisis better and more truthfully. I mean, obviously, you guys, you're, you have a very close relationship. I mean, you left uh, L.A., Hollywood, whatever, to move back to, to Texas, yeah. right, to Austin. Is that why, to be closer to your family? Is it because you also, like, what is your, because um, you seem, again, very authentic and a real person. And to be in an environment like that, believe me, I, I see it all the time living here, is like, it's a, as you like to say, it's kind of like a, a contradiction, kind of like it's, right. it, it seems to be like an antithesis to who you are. When you moved, when you came here for the first time, um, or came to Hollywood, you, you kind of always said, you know, you can't need it, you have to, you have to want it, but not, yeah. but not need it. Yeah. And I, I'm curious because people come here, like there's, you know, boats and, and buses of people coming here by the droves, right? 
who are so desperate to want to do something. How do you change that mindset from, okay, you know what? I don't need it. I just want it. Because it, it, that happens in anything in life. I feel if you are too desperate for something, it never seems to ever work anyway. Yeah, it, it's... Well, it's touchy because if you tell someone and you understand what you what you just said, if you're too desperate for something, you're not going to get it. But they don't have a real good work. They don't have the work ethic. Mm -hmm. that not be good for them because they can go like, oh, well, if it's number two on my list, then I won't bust my backside to do whatever I can to get it done if they don't have it. But someone who has the want to and the will and the work ethic and the innate ability to maybe to, to do it will actually usually get more done if they do make that thing they want number two at the highest level mm. um, and are not so desperate for it. It works not only in careers, relationships. I have a story in there about when I found Camilla is when I quit looking for the one. You know, we do this. I mean, I remember before I met her. I was looking for the one at every damn traffic light, produce section, everywhere. Possible, was he potential? Maybe, yeah. You know what I mean? I was looking. I was leaning, literally intruding into their space, looking and going, "What are you doing? Sit back and and, and take care of yourself." And that's when she showed up. Um, but in the in the in the look, family was a big one for me. Soon as I had, we had our first child, Levi, the thing I always, only thing I ever knew I wanted to be in life, being a father, any parent knows, well, that's all of a sudden that becomes at the top of what it is you need to take care of. And so mm -hmm. your career, as much as you want to do it, inherently, instinctually becomes two. Doesn't become less important. But it becomes two. It's also a little bit of what I was talking about earlier in the book about not having reverence for things, being more mm -hmm. less impressed and more involved in them. Have full respect for the job, for the mortal thing that you can you're trying to acquire or the person, but not a reverence that keeps you from being involved in it. When I had family, and then when we had children, and and uh, before we ever had children, Camilla said, "Look, here's the deal: you go, me go to work. Wherever I go in the world, we go." I had a moment there. I was like, what? Oh, in my mind going, no, when I go to work, I live on my own. I have my Airstream. I'm with the dog. That's it. And as that's going through this year, just like in the rest of the match, this year says, you, this, you better nod your head and say, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and I said, yes, ma'am. And it was the right decision. <laughs> and that's been, was wonderful for my job and my career to have my children there uh, to interrupt my time when I got home from work or say goodbye to in the morning, to know that that at the end of the day, they were the most important thing actually opened up and allowed me to do better work. It's, 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 it's also kind of scientific in that myself. And I find this is true. A lot of people tell me this, do their best thinking saying on the road driving. Mm -hmm. And, and, and there's something scientific about, you're performing a couple of motor skills. Your foot's on the pedal. You're maintaining the speed limit, but you're not thinking about it. Your hands are on a wheel. You're staying in your lane, but you haven't really thought about why you're staying in the lane. But doing those simple motor skills has opened up a creativity. It's almost why kids, you know, like those, like a, mm -hmm. like a, like a squishy ball. Let me do mm -hmm. this one little thing that I don't have to think about on the side. And that allows me to free up and do this other thing. Well, 
having a family or having something in your life or faith or whatever, you go, no, that's most important. That's inevitable. I'm, I'm, we're not even discussing that. That's a uh, that's an obligation of mine. I understand that that's more important, my family or whatever that is in someone's life. Once we go, I know that is, and I don't have to think about that being the most important thing. It can open up us being better at achieving that maybe career goal or what we do in our career. Um, and the desperation can lead to sort of the, the, the story you don't tell you the, the, you tell the stories too fast you the, the pace is too fast you the, the, the desperation you get ahead mm. of time you don't you don't have the breaths that, that that great the drama of life gives that telling great stories has the pause the take to take the time and the details the not rushing to get to the punchline you know, and whatever story we're telling and whatever our job is, whatever our goal is, is going, no, it's sticking this process. I'm trusting. I'll get to the end of the story. I'll get to the pro- I'll get to the punchline when it's time. I'll feel it. Trust it. Don't anticipate it. Because if you need something, you're desperate. You're always anticipating. You know, what is it around? Mm-hmm. Is she there? Is the next job there? Is this the one? And when you're doing that, you're missing. You missed her when she just walked right by you because you were thinking she was supposed to be over there. Or you missed, you know. You were so anxious about doing that, getting that audition right. So how do you get better at that? How does someone get better at that uh, quality? Because that's hard. And it's, uh, it's something that it's right. Trust is hard. Trust is hard. I mean, because look, and, 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 and let's not belittle the other side of that, which is damn right. You know what you want? Be obsessed and go and get it. Go get it. Got many things in my life because I didn't ask permission. That's what I was going to say. I'm getting it. I'm writing the headline first, and then I'm going to live the story to go get it. I'm plenty. So it is a balance of those two. I bring up Hollywood being a place you want to want and not need because it is fickle. You can mm-hmm. do anything you want in Hollywood. There's not help wanted signs out there. The guards at the gates ain't there to keep you in. They're there to keep you out. Whatever you want to be. Yes, 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 yes. Well, man, too many yeses make a tyrant out of anybody. So you've got to form some sort of stance and self-identity and make some sacrifices to know who you are and who you're not and make that right. the most important thing that you're not going to do something that's going to sacrifice who you are or sacrifice your soul, which is then inherently is making Hollywood just a want, not a need by thinking of it that way. Um, I'm, the process of elimination you're saying is the, and how to kind of how to fi- find out who you really are is basically a process of elimination, knowing what you don't want to be initially for sure. And if, if we get so fortunate to get to a place where we're like, okay, now I have in front of me who I am and what I do want to be, bang, attack it. But most of the part, I, for the most of the time, I found that, 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 that figuring out who I know for who I am is not being so clear about what it is I want to do, but eliminating what it is I don't want to do. We're going, no, I'm not that. Or no, I don't like hanging out with them because every time I come away, I may... Maybe I had a good time, but I have a little bit of a hangover because I feel guilty about the subject matter we talked about, or maybe they gossip too much, but whatever it is. Or no, I don't like to go to that place. I don't know why. 
that when I have the same amount of drinks at that place, I have a worse hangover than when I have the same amount of drinks at this place. Maybe they're slipping Mickey in my drink, or maybe it's just, again, the people in the place and what's going on. You start eliminating these things that don't feed you back, again, delayed gratification, not mm-hmm. gratification. Just extend. If we can extend our, how do I feel, how, our, our decision before we make it go, how am I going to feel about this tomorrow morning? How am I going to feel about this next week? How am I going to feel about this in a month? How am I going to feel this ready? How am I going to feel about this in 10 years? How am I going to feel? What's my eulogy going to be? What's the story at the end of the story looking back? However far out we can each individually get. And it's very hard to, for us to get, project that far in, our, in the future to look back at our present decisions. But as far as each one of us individually can project out, I think it's a very good practice. And look, I'm not someone who has gone without immediate pleasures. I'm, I'm definitely a hedonist. And I and sometimes it's like my hook or my crook. F it, dude. The pleasure is good for you. Eat your cake now. Don't save it anymore. Eat it. Have two. I'm all for that as well. But also, I'll say this. There's times where I'm doing. you do that. It's also good to go. I'm going to I'm I'm willing. I want to I want to enjoy the pleasure, the immediate pleasure so, so much now. But I'm recognizing that it may have consequences. I'm recognizing, tell my kids this, I'll tell my kids this the other day. They get home, they get home, they got Friday school, they're done. They got homework. They got about an hour and a half free time Friday. And I'm like, why don't you do it now? Then Sunday evening, if we're all playing outside or eating, you don't have to be interrupted and leave the fun to go do your homework. Well, two of them, yes, I'm gonna get it done. One of them, no, I'm not doing it now. I'm like, okay. So when Sunday comes and you got to leave the pool party or whatever it is that we're having with the family and you got to go do your homework, don't be pouting because here's your choice right here. Well, come Sunday, didn't do his homework, got to go do his homework. He's pouting. I'm like, see that right there. We called it. We called it. <laughs> you, you, you know, and, and and not only with children, but all of us are like, just think about what the consequence. And sometimes it's like, yep, I got two pieces of cake here right now. I got the sweets in front of me. I ate one. I want the next one. But if I don't have the next one, I'm not going to have one for tomorrow night. I don't care. I want them both right now. And so, but then realize, well, tomorrow night, don't get upset when you don't have any cake. Because you're doubling up tonight. And if we just go, got it. I know I'm going to go without. Or I'm going to stay out and have an extra drink. Well, you're going to be a little hungover tomorrow. And you got that work to do. Well, I don't care. I'll bulldog through it. Okay. Then go have that other drink. But tomorrow morning, don't be bitching. <laughs> you know? Exactly. That, that's the thing. Don't, I don't, I get that. It's almost it's like false modesty in a way. It's like that next day, oh, I'm never doing that again. Shut up. You are too doing that again. And how dare you say you're not ever doing that again? Do it again plenty of times, but don't whine in it. You did it. You made the choice. You even knew last night that you made the choice. Exactly. And that I and so like that, have you always had that in you, or did you have to develop that over time? Because right. did you ever hear did you ever hear about that experiment that the doctor that that they basically like a I don't know, years ago, they put a bunch of kids into like a uh, a research place and they and they gave them a piece of cake and they walked out of the room and you, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. And it was about like if if the kid ate the cake, it tells you what how that person's gonna be later on in life, right? Yeah. yeah. So would you have eaten that cake in that 
in that research back then? Or were you all like, were you always like this or? It goes back and forth. I mean, I've always had it to an extent. And I see myself and my kids. I have one that is going to save that cake that I'm like, oh, he's the one that I'm, I'm like going. No, let's get away with some more stuff. You know, he's like, yeah. no, dude, don't, 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 don't do that. Too much delayed gratification. I mean, let, let's let's screw up. You know what I mean? You know, right? Let's 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 throw throw responsibility out the window for me. You know, got a, got a, you know some other other ones, a couple other ones. I'm like, well, they still need to learn a little bit more about investing ROI in their future, teeing themselves up for you know doing something today, making a sacrifice maybe today that can give them more pleasure tomorrow. I always had that, but it, it is. Look, I, I would say if anything, I'd probably say if I look back, I would like sometimes I, I probably even even now. Go, oh, dude, come on, if you want to just eat it now, then because what we also can do sometimes when we say we proverbially have two pieces of cake and if we eat both now, we don't have one for tomorrow night. Well, now, hang on a sec. Maybe I'll have two now <laughs> and find that extra box of cake mix in the back of the pantry and late night tonight, make another one so I can have till tomorrow night too. <laughs> you tell me I only got two pieces. Maybe I'll create, you know, maybe something else between now and then and, and, and go, damn right, I had two last night. I'm having another one tonight because I went and made a cake. You know what I mean? So Exactly, exactly. You want to leave it open for that too. And I've definitely pulled off some of those things. I'm like, okay, I'm going for this right now. And I'll just deal with what I'll deal with the consequences. I'll, I won't go with that. And then all of a sudden figured something out. I was like, huh, I got to have my cake and eat it too. Exactly. I was going to say that. Exactly. Do you, do you have like another five minutes so I can, I don't, I don't want to, I want to be respectful of your time. Cause I know you've been doing a lot of these. Do you have five yeah. minutes for me to ask you some rapid fire questions? Yeah, come on. Yeah. Okay. Just make sure. Yeah. Uh, you got you got five. Okay, cool. What is your favorite song? Uh, Pink Houses, John Mellencamp. Your favorite movie, not one of your own. Let me give you four. Okay, fine. Four. Okay. Yeah. Indian Runner, Sean Penn's directorial debut, Raising Arizona, Coen Brothers, HUD, Paul Newman, Marty Ritt directed, nineteen sixty-two, and. Uh, adaptation spike jones mm, okay i know your favorite book already it's in the it's in your book so the greatest salesman right this is your favorite book so in ah, so. emerson's essays uh on uh and it, it, he's got one particular an essay on self-reliance that it's just like gold to me it sits over there and, and it, it, it it's it's only it's not that many pages but i remember the first time i read it it took me like over a year to read because every line i was like whoa okay I got to walk away with that line and try and apply that to life and come back two weeks later and read the next line. We're very slow. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm a slow reader too. You would be surprised how long it took me to read your book even. So yeah. I, I got it. I got it. Um, Self-reliance. I'm going to, I'm going to read that. Um, okay. A few more uh, running, biking or swimming. Which are, which one do you running. like the best? Running. Running. Um, what's your favorite workout? Running? Favorite workout. No, favorite workout. <laughs> besides the obvious besides the obvious all right i'll say this one um for everyone uh a night out dancing with my wife oh that 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 and it's a great talk about that's great cardio 
So if I can get in, 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 in groove, I, oh, I love, I love, I love to dance. And especially if I don't on favorite workout would be dancing all night, Saturday night when I ain't got to go back to work till Thursday. Oh, I like that. Are you that good of a dancer? I love, I love, I love to dance. I have been told I have very original dance moves, but I do. I know, I, I know that I do have rhythm. Mm. Okay, that's good to know. Who would you like to meet that you haven't had the chance to meet, living and, of course, dead? Uh, Jesus, I'd like to hang out with him. What a cool, what a cool cat. What a cool, cool cat. Talk about an egotistical utilitarian. Was I was going to say. Yeah. How about living? Uh, right now, I'd like to have an afternoon with uh, President Joe Biden. Oh, I I'm sure you can make that happen. You think so? I, I mean, I don't know if I get an afternoon, but yeah, could uh, an hour. I hope he would be able to maybe get me on the docket for an hour. Yeah, maybe maybe I can help you out later on. Um, <laughs> okay. And then one more bucket list thing you still haven't done because you've done so many things that you still want to. Yeah. Um, the bucket, the big, the big bucket list is 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 raise three autonomous, conscientious, confident children who are not going to be afraid to go out into the world and navigate and negotiate it. And that will become three of my best friends later in life. Oh, wow. That's a good one. That's a good one. I think those are all my questions. Those are all my rapid fire questions. And, you know, I have like a bunch of other questions, but you know what? You've been such a doll for taking out this time and, you know, hanging out with me and, and humoring me. What another, yet another person ask, ask, asking the same question. No, so I appreciate it. No, really. It was, again, it was, it was, I really enjoyed it. It was completely original for me. And, and I really enjoyed your, your take, your questions and our conversation all together. Well, I really appreciate this. I really had a great time talking to you and thank you so much. You're going to be writing a new book, another book. What are you doing next? Like, what are you going to be besides of course, talking to Joe Biden, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, being on this book tour, it has helped crystallize some ideas of mine that give me some idea of an intention for what the next book could be. Um, and I do want to keep writing. I really and thoroughly enjoyed this process. Um, and it's, 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 uh, I want to continue to do it again. Um, if I can have something worthy of, worthy of, of sharing. Um, yeah, right now I'm kind of, we're taking care of the family right out this COVID thing until we all feel secure with embracing measure then how much the world has actually changed, which I believe it's going to be at least in my life uh, to quite a bit to an extent. There's, there's many versions of this sort of interaction business wise that I actually prefer and will continue to practice, um, you know, and where the, where, where we're going in the form of our communication in the future um has changed a lot for me and i think will change for a lot of people um yeah what we've learned and even companies have learned actually that oh actually we're more productive this way um and then i'm just 
you know, this, got this theory of uh, personally and as and as a as a people and as a as a country, um, where is there is there anything I can add that can that can be useful to helping us build forward and come out of in this time of, of great distrust where we can form some social contracts between ourselves again and each other. Um, my hunch is that we can do that through a common denominator of values that that are you know supersede and 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 slide in between your politics and your religion um, to reform some trust with others and ourselves again uh, and, and 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 get back on the road to evolvement coming out of this red light year because this year is still going to turn green one day. It is one day. One day. When? I, when? It's going to be relative for each person. You know, and again, I mean, sometimes, you know, someone hears that and they go, wait a minute, I just lost my dad or I lost a loved one. What do you mean mm -hmm. to turn green? I'm not saying, again, it ever denies the red light of a loss. But the assets of even the tragedy of losing someone that we love, they are revealed later in life. And if they're not revealed in our life, maybe they'll be revealed in our children's life. If they're not revealed in their life, maybe they'll be revealed in their children's life. But somewhere in the future of time, the assets of our red lights will be real. And even this year, I fully believe that that, 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 that they will be. Um, but we've got some work to do to start turning the page, to turn some of the, at least turn the red, maybe go to yellow first and then into green. <laughs> we've got a, we've got some building to do. I was going to say, I mean, I know you're, isn't the, isn't the movie business like totally shut down still and no one's really doing much right now, right? They, I'm surprised at how much they are doing, actually. Um, I'm not. Um, I'm surprised at how much they are making. I mean, the future of the movie business is in flux. The future of theatrical releases is in flux. Um, um, what is the future of the theater, uh, of going out to the movies? Is there going to be these big social gatherings? Are those going to become sort of calendared events that happen once a month where people plan and you've got to go through certain protocols and it's a, it's in a big event that happens. I don't know. Um, the world will still want content. This world will still want to be entertained. The world will still yeah. be enlightened. The world will still want to be educated. And if you can do all three of those in one, that's really cool. Just where, where How, is the content? I, I, this is a off, this is a random question a little bit, but you know, someone who's like, you seem to be, you're very into like health and fitness and wellness still. Yeah. Like that's kind of like the brand that I've always growing up thought of you as, and you seem to always talk about why you need to sweat every day like me and working out. Um, how come you never started some kind of wellness or health fitness brand or put your name on something or have you? And I just don't even know about it. I mean, we know we have our, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, a physically fit workout nut. Like I said, what I, what I really like to do rather than go to the gym is go have more dances all night with my wife on there. Exactly. Dancing and sex. I got it. Yeah. You know I, mean? <laughs> I mean, that'd be ideal. Um, do you work out every day? I break a sweat every day. That's Doing what? Well, running, uh, um, uh, um, sometimes, you know, like I've, I've got a knee that I'm dealing with now. So I've had to hit the elliptical because the oh, meniscus has been out. Um, I really like to wrestle. 
um, which is how I tore my. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, that's how you tore it! Oh yeah. my god. Um, cool. um. Oh, I have something for you if you want it. Then have you tried trampoline? A trampoline? Yeah, I my my kids love it. I don't. It doesn't. It hasn't done my back too well. <laughs> Oh yeah, and, uh, yeah. And I noticed that it was a little bit different than it used to be when I was eight years old doing double back flips. <laughs> I'm like, what happened? No, I don't mean doing that stuff. I mean like you know, just jumping up and down for your lymphatic system and and giving your knee a break because I have the same problem right now. I have a knee issue, and so I've been trying to like for cardio and for sweat breaking a sweat. You should try jumping on a trampoline. You break a sweat just jumping up and down on a trampoline. Well, you got to do like you can do because it's eighty percent less impact uh, than being on the floor on the on the ground, right? So you can do like you can like run on the spot. You know, I hold like little uh, weights, uh, uh, uh. and I like and I and I like I basically do a lot of high knees on there, and then like jumping jacks with it, and you can do basically like it's not going to be running, but at least it's really good for your lymphatic system yeah. and gets you kind of going. And it's and with the knee problem, you got to be super careful. So as I'm sure you know. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. My workout changes. I mean, you know, I've got in different places. I got different, different, different runs that I'll find. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm a guy. I like to go run for time. Meaning, like, mm. I'm, I'm gonna run that way for 20 minutes, and all I know is it's away from home. Yes. Jeez, <laughs> I'm tired. But the way home is always easier because you know you're going to make it home. You know, like, well, exactly. I'm definitely making it home. And well, if I run half, I run half the distance away from home. Yeah, then I can. I'll so you don't do weights or anything like that. Mostly body weight. Body weight stuff. And then it matters what role I'm going to have. You know, I just try to keep my body mm-hmm. a few weeks from able to get in peak condition for what I need to do, unless it's something extreme like Dallas Buyers or something. I love these myth busters because I thought you had hair transplants and I also thought you were like a workout fanatic. And now I know you're not. No, I'm not a workout fanatic. You know, we eat well. We eat well. I'm a, you know, uh, I would, uh, I, I like to run, do push ups, do crunches. And so during my run, if I get tired, I'll drop and do 20. And it's a great, oh, yes. For my legs, but then after about three sets of 20, then it's like, oh, geez, not another push-ups. I want to keep running. So I'll just keep running and just go. Just, and I'll just say, run until you've done 200 push-ups. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I do that too. Like little games with yourself. Yeah. 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 I love that. It's fun. No, I miss it. It's what? It's fun to mix it up. A hundred percent. No, I was curious because I thought like because of who I, what I thought you would, you know, just from what you see out there, I thought I'm curious why he's never like put his name on a fitness brand or a health brand or started something or I've been approached and and and, and then being you know approached in the in the wellness world now. We have our foundation, which is about health, nutrition, and gratitude. Right. Um sort I love of, that. It's all about about wellness for, for younger men and women. Um, but never really no, not on a brand. I bet you I could design some cool shoes though for a hundred percent. Some 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 footwear company. I'm, I'm sure you can. Right? What was that? See so here, I mean, anyone out there? You hear that? Give me I know. Well, I, 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 
I think you can find, you know, if you make one, I'll make, I usually do this podcast, by the way, on treadmills. I don't know if you know that or not. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. I knew it was something, uh, something vortex of, uh, yeah. People think it's a Game of Thrones chair, but it's not. It's just, um, it's the fact, it's basically, I usually do that. We don't, I don't normally do it like this. We do it on treadmills. And the idea is to kind of not just multitask, but it's good for your brain, for your cognitive. That's what I was talking about earlier when I'm talking about driving. Mm -hmm. You know, having a foot on the pedal, but you don't think yes. it opens up, you know, um, to be able to do some sort of physical activity that you want to think about. You know, you're not thinking about in the conversation, oh, I got to stay on the treadmill. No, you're in the center. You're not sprinting, but you're sitting there moving and it opens up the mind. It, it frees the mind. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's a, for me, it's very that's why a lot of what you talk about really resonated with me personally, because um, it just it made sense for so many reasons, not because I do what you do, but because in my life I can relate it to me, you know? So that's why. Cool. Do you take any, do you take any supplements? Do you do anything to be, to stay this way besides eating well and running uh, and push-ups? Glucosamines for my joints. Mm -hmm. um, um, that's really it. I don't, I'll, I'll take, uh, uh, I'll take some protein powder uh, when I'm, you know, after, after I, after I work out, um, just to sort of, you know, hold the weight on and hold the, maintain the, the weight in the places that I want to maintain the weight. Uh, mm -hmm. because at 51, 188 pounds, my body at 188 today is different than my body was at 188 when I was 30. Right. You well, Although you can't tell, I kid, I kid you not, I'm not just saying that to blow like smoke up your butt. I cannot believe that you look just as young or just exactly the same as you do when you, or when you did, you know, 20 years ago. Well, thank you. Okay. It must be genetics. I, you know what? I mean, what would be, geez, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of stress. I like to work hard, but I don't like to stress. The you know what the simplest one I think is? that people don't do enough of. And it's so simple. And I'm sure you do. Drink more water. People say that. Do you really think hydrating that much makes a big difference for your skin? I, I, and I do, especially if you like alcohol. And I, I like my drinks, especially if you want to you know, keep it flowing to not get uh, um, the circulation. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think that I think it's very important. Wow. I mean, if, if we can all look like you at 51 by drinking some water, I think that's, uh, and it's cheap and free. I think it's a, a great tip. Anything else that you do? Well, I'm, I'm all for getting out and getting a little bit of sunshine without too much sunscreen yes. on. I'm all for going and go get you a little, get you a little hit. And if you Vitamin D. back too, you know, and, um, uh, and yeah. And I think just that, that little, if you can break a sweat, that's a form of, of, of circulating and rehydrating and getting a move and breaking into some sort of sweat. You say generated because I've heard people go, I broke a sweat. I went to the sauna. I was like, no, you have to generate it from the inside out. Sauna is great. I'm all for it. Oh, you know what my latest favorite thing is. And then this is not what? novel, but boy, talk about for recouping and joints feeling better. And actually uh, it does burn a lot of calories. The, the cold plunge. Oh, I know. That's amazing. That's a really good one. Really? Do you do that? I try. I try to. I'm working on getting one actually here at the house now, so I can just go, you know, work out and then do that three minute, three three minute sessions, and it does everything from heal.
to tighten your skin up, to Amazing. get your body ready for extreme situations because it does have a learning curve with it. When you first get in, you're like, oh, oh, I know. Oh, it's crazy. And you can learn to level it down and control it. It's, it's, you know, do you know what they say to do is do cold plunge and then do the sauna, go back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a sauna at your house though yeah. or no? Yes. Oh, do you have a clear light one? I'm thinking of buying a clear light one. No, I don't even know what the brand is, but I've, oh. it's, 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 it's high powered. It's hot. It's immediate. It's hot. It's a hot one. I, th I think that's basically all my questions though right. for you. Unless, Good unless talk. you have anything else you want to share. No, I don't think so. We covered a lot of great stuff. I enjoyed it. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, sitting with me and doing all of this. And if you want it, if you want a trampoline, I know how to get one for you. Okay. All right. Okay. Deal. <laughs> Deal. All right. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. And the, oh, the book is called Green Lights. If you don't know, it's like the number one bestseller right now. Here's to catching and creating more of them for ourselves and each other. Those egotistical utilitarians go. <laughs> exactly. Number five on the goals. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Okay. I hope to meet you one day soon. You too. All right. Be well. Bye. Habits and hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out. Hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries. Tune in. You can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses. We ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.